Hi, this is Pam, and this is Must Love Food. Boy, do I have a treat for you, or we have a treat for you today. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Haley Wilson. And Haley, um, in our holiday issue, uh, dove into the world of making something that she's been wanting to do for a while, and that is sweet vermouth. Her husband, as um, he's been a guest on our show a couple of times, he was a chef owner of a restaurant here in Des Moines called Proof, and he now works for an organization, um, St. Kilda. Uh, but uh, I think especially when he was at Proof, he developed his own sweet vermouth, and I think she got very intrigued by that whole, and it's very popular, making um, uh, infused, uh, we would call them infused, I mean, they're fortified, um, it's a fortified drink, but aromatized is the, aromatized. the fancy word yes okay and you use botanicals which mm-hmm. they do the same thing in bitters too right yes right okay yep. um and maybe we could touch on bitters i'm not maybe you know some a little bit about bitters or not but um but anyhow so tell us what vermouth is okay so the short answer is that it's an aromatized fortified wine mm-hmm. um the aromatizing is using botanicals, and these can be any number of things, though vermouth sort of has a set, a few set ingredients that are pretty classic to vermouth that gives it the aroma that you think of when you think of vermouth and the flavor. Though vermouth is so varied, many of them taste so different and use different ingredients. Bartenders will cherry pick a specific vermouth for one specific cocktail because of what it's going to bring to the party. Um, And I'm sure they use different amounts too then. Yes, different amounts. So you really, if you want to make this at home, you can make it your own. It doesn't have to be any one specific thing. And that's the cool thing about it. And when we say it's fortified, that means that we're adding a distilled spirit to it Brandy is probably the most popular one that is added to sweet vermouth. It increases the alcohol content and thereby extends the shelf life. That's what I thought. Okay. Though, because it is still a wine and not a spirit, it will not last as long as a brandy. A brandy, your shelf life is pretty, pretty long. I I guess I can't say how long, Um, but you will want to refrigerate your vermouth and probably keep it for up to a month as far as if you want to drink it, um, especially on its own homemade. Yes. Well, and even store-bought. It, um, use it within a month, really? Yes. I mean, okay. that's what, from my research, that's okay. what I'm seeing. If, as long as it is. <laughs> I definitely have mine a lot longer than that. <laughs> and I think most people did, you know, I've really learned a lot um, researching this article, but if you have a bottle of vermouth at home that is unopened, I, it's my understanding that that will last, you know, as long as sure. a very, very long time until it is open. But once you open it, well, it's subject to oxidation, just like any other wine. Well, that's what I was going to say. Wine, I mean, you find um, rare bottles of wine that are old, old, old. Same thing with brandy and, and all that kind of stuff. So those kind of things unopened will keep for if they've been made and stored properly. Yeah. And so, now, let me just say uh-huh. that your vermouth isn't going to go bad. It's not going to make you sick. Sure. But the oxidation will change, you know, the flavor a little bit. And, it and the might color. Not, and the color. And it may not be as appealing to drink, though it's not going to hurt you. You can use it in cooking. And if the oxidated flavor doesn't bother you, you know, obviously feel free to drink it. So, so we talked about 
aromatized and infusing with flavor. And um, a big word that people talk about are botanicals and what you're using. So what I'm, what are some of the kind of, and I know you had indicated that there are a variety of things that are in some and not in others, or sign it, there's some standard things, but what are some garden variety kind of botanicals and also some of the ones maybe you used. And and we will also get into folks kind of the difference between red and white and sweet and dry a little bit too. Yes. Uh, so wormwood is probably the most important ingredient to vermouth. It is not required in the United States to be in your vermouth, but um, the word vermouth, I think somehow originated from the word Wormwood. Am I right about that? Uh, I think. Uh, yes, I did a Q&A question on this and I'm just looking. It said um, vermouth derives its name from the German vermouth. I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, pronounced that way. It's W-E-R-M-U-T and the French word vermouth, V-E-R-M-O-U-T. So yes. And um, I believe that's what, uh, which translates to wormwood. Yes. And in, and the, and in the EU, it has to be in vermouth, wormwood. Yes. <clears throat> this is an ingredient that is classic in absinthe, and many thought it might give you, I don't know, what are the what's the word I'm looking for, Pam? Hallucinogenic? Yes. <laughs> um, it's not true. Right. And when consumed in small quantities, like in vermouth and other drinks like that, it's completely safe. To yeah, use. really what they said was it was the uh, massive amounts of absence that they were drinking that was causing the hallucinogenic episodes and it was not the wormwood <laughs> yes um so wormwood it, it's it's a it's an herb and it's a leaf it's the dried leaf that you're going to use and it adds a strong it's a bittering agent you're adding adding it for its bitter component that it adds to the drink um and there are other bittering agents that you can add as well um, Angelica is one that I used, Angelica root. And I believe that this may be floral is what I think you say. Here. Yes. And mm -hmm. I think it's because it's from the iris family. I think it's the root of an iris. Oh, okay. Um, and I think what you also have is sweet and earthy with flavors of celery, juniper, and licorice. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Right? Uh -huh. So I could um, see licorice bitter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and celery a little bit. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then Let's see, what was the other? Orus root? Orus root, yes. And that one was bitter, but I didn't think maybe quite as bitter as the other ones. Uh, an interesting thing that we did in the test kitchen after making a few batches of vermouth was we steeped some of these bittering agents on their own just in hot water so we could see what's the flavor that they're bringing to this. Do we, do we need this? Do we want this? Do we need less of it? Um, so that was kind of a fun little experiment. And that's something that you can do at home too, if you want to make your own. And Almost like making a tea. Yes, like making a tea. Um, and some people do make teas out of these ingredients. Okay. And other people make vermouth this, this way. They will steep their, all their botanicals, including the bittering agents, in some sort of alcohol. And then they will add, you know, a little by little um, and taste as they go. And then that way they can hone in and really get the exact flavorings that they want. Um, and some of the other things I'm just going to kind of mention, you've got bay leaf and cinnamon stick, vanilla, bitter orange, uh, chamomile, ginger, 
coriander, dried thyme, rubbed sage, dried oregano. And so, uh, and that was a long list, but how much of that were things you wanted to sort of play around with? And some of them, cause I know, I mean, for, I could almost identify, I know you love coriander. Um, bitter orange I know is pretty classic, but what would you say are sort of um, common, these are common in a lot or? Yes, I would say that these are pretty common. And these ingredients are not, when you taste the vermouth, you don't wanna say, oh, like, wow, that coriander's really pronounced, or I really get the sage. The idea is to balance all of those flavors. You don't want to be able to necessarily pick out one specific flavor. And mm -hmm. I think that we have done a good job of, of balancing that. Now, I will say, because my husband has made many types of vermouth when he was at his other restaurant, um, I, I sort of tapped into his, his knowledge and, you know, picked his brain and so he sort of told me the ingredients that he liked to use. He didn't give me any of his ratios because he worked very hard on that. Um, but I think that we have, we found that the ingredients that we used were a good balance and gave the bitterness that you want, but not so much that it was unpalatable. Well, and one of the things you do to counterbalance, and this is very common and the way you make a sweet vermouth, uh, is you make a, um, like a caramel, you make a, a simple syrup, but you take it to the caramel stage. And, yeah. um, and I know you played around with how dark you made that sugar, because I think you'd taken, you did a, a comparison of a much darker caramel and then a little bit more mild, but, mm -hmm. um, so you can add a sort of the intensity of the caramel in terms of how long you cook it. And then also the amount that you use. That's right. And we decided, uh, to, keep the bitterness from our bittering agents that we were using in the vermouth. And instead of using a dark caramel to add additional bitterness, to tone it down and make our caramel a little sweeter. And I think we found the sweet spot with that. Um, but one of the good things about making vermouth is you can tinker with it endlessly. So if you make our recipe and it's too bitter for your liking, or too sweet for your liking, you can use less of that syrup or you can make additional syrup mm -hmm. and add it to it. Um, so that's the fun part. Yeah, and you could also probably just not cook your caramel quite as much um, if you want to tone down or even more if you want it a little more intense. And then um, one of the things I know in the process that we did is we did sort of a comparison. So we had a commercial brand of sweet vermouth that we tasted and then tasted many of the variations that you made against that. And one of the notes that we picked up on was um, port. That was a very kind of a distinctive flavor. And um, so not only is brandy added, a lot of times a lot of fortified. So a fortified wine is um, uh, anything that's been fortified with um, pretty much brandy, right? Or any any spirit really brandy is common because it it adds flavor but some people will use vodka as well sure well it's an interesting and i and now i'm gonna have to figure this out because brandy is considered a fortified wine spirit itself. spirit a fortified spirit spirit okay um but then you added sherry but port we really uh picked up the flavor of port in the commercial and so then you decided to add some ruby port 
and that gave it uh, some additional sweetness as well as additional fortification. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, so sherry and port were both the the other fortified wines that we added in addition to the brandy, mm-hmm. um, and they each add their own flavor. Um, and that's another thing that you can tinker with. This is it's so fun. Like I kind of want to keep doing this on my own spare time to see, you know, what can I do to make this, you know, more more exciting. Uh-huh. I mean, it's really good as is, you know, but it's I feel like it's one of those things you can tinker with endlessly. Well. So. A couple the the wines you used and also and can use and sort of the the differences between red white whatever I think most people think um, red is sweet white is dry uh, but you didn't use in a sweet vermouth that is most people would maybe think is red it's more amber colored uh, you used a white wine I did and from my research I found that. White wines are used primarily, even in sweet vermouths. There are sweet vermouths that are white. There are dry vermouths that are red. And some vermouths are made with red wine. And you can do that, too. If you don't want to use a white wine, try a red. Um, But, yes, uh, I think the old school way of thinking is that a red vermouth is sweet and a white is dry. And... That is true, but it's also untrue. You really need to read the bottle to find out kind of what you're getting in the sweetness level. That's probably more what you need to look for if you're going to buy one at the store. So with a a white vermouth, do you know, I'm not sure if you delve this far into research or not, would it not have uh, caramel added to it? Is that kind of one of the things? Would it be just wine with botanicals and then some fortified spirit or fortified wine? I I didn't delve into that, but that would be my guess. I would guess there's not a caramel in there or any sort of sweetener. Um, And the botanicals are probably a little bit different, though probably a lot of overlap. Mm -hmm. Um, And folks, if you've never had vermouth, I mean, it is, it's a a wonderful world to sort of delve into. It's, it is wine-like. It is a wine. But, um, I mean, I've made sauces with white vermouth uh, and uh, maybe even red. I don't know. Uh, But it it does add more to the party because there's those botanicals and more flavor in them. Uh, But, you know, white vermouth uh, or dry vermouth is typically, I mean, it's the basis of a martini and then many other cocktails. And um, and then what I loved that you did. But uh, and I don't know if a lot of people just drink dry vermouth straight up on its own. Sweet vermouth, they do. Uh, yes. Red, if people call it red, but it's also amber, can be amber. Mm-hmm. Uh, sweet vermouth, um, you can drink as just a sipper on its own or turn it into cocktails, which you did. And there's so many classic cocktails that include vermouth and you, that's what you did. You did uh, uh, give a nod to those classic cocktails. And, um, and one of them, I think it's the Americano you mm-hmm. you mentioned how by tweaking just a couple of things, you could make two different cocktails from that. Yes. Uh, one of them was the Boulevardier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember the exact swap outs. I think rye was involved. Yes. Maybe rye. instead of scotch, perhaps. I think it was. And then there was, was it orange versus lemon or lemon versus orange or something like that? Maybe and then I'm the, thinking of a different... <laughs> and the, oh, well, hey, wait a minute. I have... This right here. Uh, you have the let, article right in front of you? I do. I forgot about that. Let's see. 
um, for an Americano Royale, with this I knew, swap the club soda for champagne for a Boulevardier, lose the club soda, add one and a half ounces rye whiskey and swap the lemon twist for an orange twist. That's right. Yeah. Um, and those cocktails were phenomenal. Uh, they really were. You know, I always thought probably because dry vermouth is so classic in a martini, I thought that red vermouth was just not used very often. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, I guess that's simply not the case. And when I say red, I guess I mean sweet. I'm, my head's still sort yeah. of stuck in that old school sure. mentality. Um, well, but yeah. The, the color, the yes. eventual color, right. Yes. Uh, but it really is great to drink on its own uh, or some ice. And if you want to splash a soda and a twist, you can do that as well. Uh, and so the cocktails that you uh, featured were the Americano, Blood and Sand, and the Rob Roy. And uh, Americano has sweet vermouth, Campari, club soda, lemon twist. Blood and Sand has blended scotch, orange juice, sweet vermouth, cherry herring, flamed orange peel, and the Rob Roy has sweet vermouth, blended scotch, Angostura bitters, and maraschino cherry. Um, and I do remember, excuse me, what my question was before. There are different methods in um, making uh, vermouth. There's, um, I, I think of it like um, kind of cold proofing or quick proofing, like pizza doughs or something and developing flavors. You did the, the hot method uh, where you heated things. Uh, and then there's also a cold longer method where you would steep without heat. Is that correct? Yes. Sort of like coffee, like a cold brew versus okay. a traditional. Sure. Uh, yep. We decided to do the quick method because I think your average person at home probably just wants to, you know, move along with yeah. the process and get to the end product, you know? Um, so we chose to heat half of the wine that was used with the botanicals let it hang out overnight to steep. And uh, then once it's cooled, add the remainder of the ingredients to it. But you can also just steep your botanicals in wine straight from the bottle without heating it. Now, it will take you much longer to reach your end product. Perhaps a month is maybe oh. what I saw. Wow. Um, but you can also taste it along the way and stop the infusion, you know, when you think that the flavor is where you want it to be. And then there's the other method I talked about where you steep each ingredient individually and oh. add them, you know, but that's, that's a little if you're tedious. really, yes, a little bit tedious. And I think you probably would only want to do that method if you've made it a few times before with other methods. Is that what Sean did? I would think a, a professional chef or, or um, mixologist might try that method, but they have I would, the I would guess he did yeah. something like that. Uh -huh. Yeah. So um, um, sources, uh, some of these are kind of weird sounding ingredients. Um, Easy to find, would you say? Yes, definitely. I will say um, I was directed to Mountain Rose Herbs, which you can find online and order through. But because of the pandemic, uh, shipping, you know, was going to be taking a little bit longer. I found my ingredients on Amazon. So um, I know you can find all those things on there. And the chamomile, you can probably find on Amazon. But what I did was I just got chamomile tea bags from the store, cut them open, and measured the chamomile just straight out of the tea bag. So that's 
um, probably an easier option for most people. And wasn't there a place in New York that you had found as well? There were um, a few places, and I, I don't remember their names off uh, the top of I my head. The, I had been to the one place. It's a spice store on the, uh, I'm not going to, it's not Lower East Side, um, Midtown, mid Lower Midtown East Side in the 20s uh, that I have frequented. And it's, um, I'm going to say like it's a Middle Eastern spice store. And uh, yeah, I can't think of the name either. Um, yeah, the, it, some of the ingredients are interesting and you probably or may have not heard of them, but they shouldn't be too difficult to source. No, you cannot probably get them at your grocery store. Um, online is probably going to be your best way to find them. Your botanicals. And then I know in your, your article, you also mentioned in addition to red wine, white wine, um, that you, um, and then I wanted to maybe talk just a little bit about the wine selection too, and maybe if you know anything about even the red wines that you would look at, um, but that sherry and um, rosé wine are options as well. Yes, people are venturing into a lot of different things, and I don't know much about them, um, but instead of using a white wine or a red wine, people will use rosé as a base um, because, you know, whatever wine you're starting with is going to add a different flavor profile um, sure. to your end product. Um, and what I know about the sh using sherry as the base wine is that that's a lot. It's coming out of Spain from the houses that make your big sherries. They've started to make vermouth with their own sherry. Oh, that's interesting. I would imagine it maybe has like a, maybe a little bit more of a smoky component or something like that. I would guess. Yeah. And, and you know, that sort of raisiny, uh, nutty flavor. And so, and I know the white wine, you gave two options, Pinot Grigio and an oak Chardonnay. So they're a little bit more, and an oak Chardonnay is going to be very buttery and a really full flavored. So you don't really want to probably venture there. It's, they're more neutral flavored, correct? Yes, that's what I read. And there are other varietals too that are commonly used, though okay. they weren't grape varietals I had heard of. I think okay. you would find those more in Italy and in France. Um, or, you know, you could probably find them here. But since I was unfamiliar with them, I did sure. not choose to use them or uh, put them in the article. Right. And most people will be able to find, especially, I would say, a um, Pinot Grigio. Yes. Yes. Um, but, Chardonnay, you, know, honestly, on, mm -hmm. you know, I think you could start with whatever you want, whatever white wine sure. you like, as long as it's dry, start sure. with the dry. And that would probably be, I would guess the same thing with, um, maybe a rosé. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Now, do you know any of the red wines that are used if somebody is using a red wine? No? I don't. Okay. Mm -mm. But you said most people who are making a sweet slash red vermouth are typically using white yes okay very yeah. interesting i know mm -hmm. <laughs> um wow well i have learned some stuff and i hope you all have too uh is there anything else uh, about vermouth you'd like to share other than you enjoyed <laughs> i know that well it was a it was a fun process is that right it was fun i wish i'd had a little bit more time to work on it um, so I'll probably work on it on my own at home. Sure. Um, but I hope that, I hope that people at home won't be intimidated by it because it, it's probably not a process you've done before, but if you've made tea, if you've made mulled wine, these are all things that are very similar. So, sure. um, nothing to be intimidated by. Um, uh, you can find your ingredients online. 
make it, enjoy it, gift it to friends at the holidays. It's a, it's the perfect thing to gift. I was, thank you. I was going to say that too. And in, in our holiday issue, our November, December issue this year, uh, we do have a gifting article too. And, uh, to re- which Teresa, uh, organized and, and um, developed. And uh, she has a really cute kind of packaging idea if you're making homemade vermouth and or, or, or whatever uh, kind of beverage that you want. Or if, even if you had a bottle of wine that you bought from the store and you want a fun way of gifting it, she did come up with that. So um, yeah, and I love how you explained it too, that if you've made tea and if you have uh, made mulled wine, it's as easy as that. And um, that uh, just start experimenting. And uh, yeah, it's become so, so popular with people. And um, uh, originally it was used for medicinal purposes and um, some may argue that it still is. (laughs) That's right. I'm drinking this medicinally. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's my health beverage. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So thanks for joining me, Haley. And thanks for sharing your knowledge about vermouth. And hopefully we've inspired some of our listeners to um, give it a try. Um, It's certainly a fun thing to do. And uh, uh, let us know if you do try it and um, how you want to tweak it and make it your own. So thanks for joining us today. And um, Look for our November, December issue with uh, this article and our gifting article. And uh, if you're looking for other um, inspiration, go to cuisineathome.com. And of course, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again, folks. Bye-bye. Visit our site to learn about special offers, new products, and more for purchase. We offer live cooking seminars from pasta making and cast iron cooking to pie baking and stir frying techniques. Our special interest publications feature recipes centered around certain topics like feel-good food and slow cooker dinners. We also offer custom Cuisine at Home branded kitchen tools such as aprons, cutting boards, and bench knives. Shop all of our offerings at CuisineAtHome.com.